What's up, gamers, and welcome to Lost at Sea Gaming. I am Hulking Yoda, the captain of this ship, the SS Gamer. And in this special episode, I will be breaking down the latest PS5 showcase, giving you guys my thoughts and reactions to all the games shown off at the event, as well as discussing the finally announced release date and prices of both the standard PS5 console and its digital-only counterpart. So let's go to where play has no limits and see what this showcase had to offer us. Guys, this showcase is probably one of the most anticipated of all, all the showcases that have been coming out here in the last few months between Microsoft, Sony, and Ubisoft. And the reason why is because really at this point, Sony is the last guys to announce their price and release date of their new console that's coming in a very short, less than two months away now. So we were pretty confident, all of us going into this showcase, we get that information. And I will touch on that at the end of this uh, coverage. But first, I really want to focus on the games that were shown at this event, uh, as that's what Sony did, in my opinion. Uh, and they started off the show with a bang. Uh, and I'm just going to go out and say Final Fantasy 16. And a lot of Rumors have been circulating out there before this show that Final Fantasy 16 was going to make an appearance at the event, uh, that it would be a PS5 exclusive, a lot of different things floating around out there. And guess what, guys? Ultimately, they were accurate to a point. Uh, so Final Fantasy 16, one thing I'll just say out front I am so happy for is the fact that this is a traditional, straight-up, single-player, RPG, story-focused game. And the reason I say that is because obviously in years past between uh, Final Fantasy XI and fourteen, we have had numbered Final Fantasies that somehow are not single player and they are multiplayer online only uh, driven experiences. And I was very nervous that would they go back to doing another online only title for 16. Thankfully, that is not the case. Uh, so we have Final Fantasy 16 also has been noted as a console exclusive. Now, I will say, don't freak out. It's not, if you're an Xbox fan, uh, this is a timed console exclusive, as are most of these console exclusives nowadays, unless they're first party published uh, by Microsoft or Sony. This is still developed by Square Enix and uh, ultimately, you know, published with the power of uh, WB Games because they own Square Enix. So my point being, uh, this is going to be a timed exclusive for PS5. So it'll come out first and uh, you'll be able to enjoy it uh, on your PS5 for probably, presumably, that first year of its release. Now, as far as the game itself is concerned, I'll say that it immediately started out uh, by saying in the event that everything that was shown in this trailer is running on a PC emulating the PS5 experience. So we didn't actually see it running on a PlayStation 5 uh, console, but it is what it's supposed to look like. So hopefully that's the case. But I'll be honest, guys, the first thing that jumped out at me graphically about Final Fantasy 16 was the fact that I didn't really see that much of a difference between current gen graphics on the Xbox One X and the PS4 Pro than I did in this trailer. So if this is supposed to be next gen, um, is this going to be a cross gen game, meaning it comes out for current gen now and then next gen as well? Or it doesn't really seem to me, at least in this trailer, to have been built from the ground up for the PS5 and the Series X in mind. Now, again, this is not actually running on PS5 hardware, so maybe that's got something to do with it as well. But it's not all about graphics, right? 
So outside of the graphical uh, side of the game, I will say that uh, similar to Final Fantasy XII and XV being focused around the crystals within the worlds and you know, basically what Final Fantasy started out as, it was always initiated as a series revolving around these crystals of power. And it looks like the crystals make a return again in this entry. And uh, from a story standpoint, it looks like it's taking cues from 12 and 15 as well, not just from the crystals being involved, but also, you know, both 12 and 15, in my opinion, had this kind of a not as much 15 as 12, but this kind of medieval vibe to it where you have this very major political presence going on in the background influencing pretty much everything or most of what you're doing and the characters that you're involved with throughout the course of the story and the game. And it looks like that is the case in this title as well. It looks like there is a uh, young boy of royalty blood and he has some special abilities, it looks like. Um, to be able to control fire to a certain degree and looks pretty intense. So very interested to see where that goes. Uh, and it also introduces us to who I'm presuming is the main character of the game, uh, a dark-haired character that uh, I won't say looks very similar to Noctis from Final Fantasy XV, but he gave me vibes of Noctis. Um, and it looks as if he is the protector of this boy, um, as well as a few other people that probably are part of your party uh, throughout the course of this game. So bottom line is, guys, uh, they showed off some combat, and uh, that also looked very similar to Final Fantasy XV. Um, uh, real time, uh, they, there was no uh, verbiage or wording or anything like that on the screen as far as attack or magic or anything. It just showed literally uh, some melee combat uh, from the one character that looked like Noctis uh, attacking different enemies. Um Pretty cool uh, visuals uh, and, and those scenes, but overall, it looks like what we could expect from the combat is very similar to what we had in Final Fantasy XV, which I am a huge fan of uh, because I thoroughly, thoroughly enjoyed the combat in Final Fantasy XV. So Final Fantasy XVI uh, supposed to be coming probably next year sometime if it's not delayed and uh, looking pretty good so far. Very excited. I thought it was a great way to kick off the show. Uh, and then right after Final Fantasy 16, we jump right into a completely different kind of a vibe of a game in the very, very excitable Miles Morales Spider-Man. And uh, I got to say, guys, the very first thing that jumped out to me in this, again, was the graphics, but from the opposite end of the spectrum. I personally thought the graphics in this trailer were absolutely phenomenal. Uh, we start out with seeing Miles leaving his apartment and meeting his friend on the street. And it is wintertime, Christmas time uh, here in Harlem. And him and his friend are walking through the streets of Harlem. This is all gameplay now. It looks as if you're controlling Miles as he and his friend are walking through the streets of Harlem. You have just the amount of detail in this very brief scene was absolutely stunning to me. The neon lights and the reflections of those lights, the snow as it was falling, the, the particle effects of the snow when Miles throws a snowball at his friend the different puddles that are along the ground and the reflections in those puddles, the amount of detail in the character models and the fluidity of their movements as they're dancing and doing different things walking by. It looked and felt real and alive and lived in and seeing the city and the towering structures above in the distance, it just looked awesome, guys. Uh, absolutely stunning. I was blown away uh, from the very beginning of this uh, trailer. And as we progress in the trailer, obviously we are introduced to the Tinkerer, who looks to be, at least initially, the main antagonist of this game. And uh, she basically initiates a huge uh, attack, trying to steal these different weapons, uh, of course, 
um, from a vehicle that is located near uh, a bridge. I couldn't tell which bridge it is. There's a lot of them uh, in New York. But the bottom line is uh, there's a big attack and uh, combat scenario that takes place on this bridge with a bunch of different enemies and miles. And the trailer ends up showcasing a lot of his moves, uh, which we've already known about his, uh, his sting move, basically, where it's kind of an electrical current attack that he can initiate on enemies. Uh, we saw that in play. And we also got to see his invisibility uh, ability uh, in action as well as he was able to sneak past a few enemies uh, instantaneously by switching invisible to non uh, or to visible. And it just looked like a lot of fun. The combat, the fluidity, the the frame rate, everything just looked absolutely awesome and like a lot of fun. A lot of quick timer events, like if you've played the uh, PS4 Spider-Man game, you'll know what to expect here. Just very cinematic, uh, very awesome, and a lot of things going on, trying to save people on the bridge at the same time and trying to stop the tinkerer. It just looked like a lot of fun, guys. Uh, and I, uh, I can't wait to play. It looks like a blast to play. Um, and it's going to be one of the first things I test out on the PS5 when it launches later this year. So after Miles Morales, uh, we changed the pace up a little bit again. And this next game was very much a surprise to me. Now, I, I knew of its, uh, its, its rumored existence, but to finally see confirmation of it and to see it in the way that it was shown was amazing for me. And the next title is the Hogwarts Legacy game, uh, the Harry Potter RPG that has long been rumored to be in existence. Uh, different teases of screenshots here or there, little tidbits of information, uh, possible names over the years now. This has been years. This rumor has been going on. Finally, we got confirmation and a beautiful trailer, in my opinion, of what this game is going to be. Uh, now, if you're like me, I am a huge Harry Potter fan. I uh, love the books, love the movies over the years. And this always sounded like a really cool concept to me, an RPG where you play as a custom-created character uh, going into Hogwarts and basically living out the life of a Hogwarts student. And as we see in the trailer, this game is set in the late 1800s, which is well before any of the Harry Potter characters in the books and movies are anywhere near Hogwarts. So that's kind of where the legacy part of the name comes from is... Based on the verbiage of the trailer, you and your character are going to shape the future of Hogwarts and how your actions and decisions result. The results of those actions and decisions are going to affect the future of Hogwarts and potential uh, people who end up going there uh, on their own, uh, i.e. Harry and maybe even some of his teachers that come there before Harry. But the trailer was absolutely gorgeous, in my opinion, for the most part. Uh, there were definite scenes of beauty where they are flying on a hippogriff. It looks like the characters are over the different coastal areas of the island where the Hogwarts castle is located. Uh, that just looked absolutely gorgeous. And there were many different scenes throughout the dining hall and just the interior environments of Hogwarts. Guys, I can't even express to you how excited I am to just lose myself for hours exploring the grounds of Hogwarts Castle, exploring the inner workings of the castle itself, exploring Hogsmeade and all the different surrounding areas in the forest. Oh man, guys, I get goosebumps just thinking about it and how amazing it's going to be. They showed a scene of Quidditch where it looks like you were different characters learning to play Quidditch. That, I guarantee you, is probably going to be a side game or mini game within the game get to play a Quidditch team, uh, getting sorted with the house uh, that you're going to be selected to be into. That's going to be, oh, I just, guys, I'm sorry, I'm nerding out right here, but I, I'm very excited about this game. So it looked like it was going to be a lot of fun and I can't wait. Even if you're not a Harry Potter fan, uh, I think from a gameplay standpoint, you might be interested in checking this out. If you haven't seen the trailer, give it a shot. 
Uh, this is supposed to be coming out as of right now in 2021 next year. So can't wait for that. Now, we go from Harry Potter into the complete uh, future by about 100 years. And we flash forward to the 80s and 1984 specifically during the time of the Cold War for Call of Duty Black Ops Cold War. And we uh, get one of the developers from Raven Software, who's the developer on the game this time, talking to us and setting up the trailer for us. Basically, it's a, a mission uh, that we get to see in action. And of course, it was no disappointment in the action part of that being Call of Duty and whatnot. Uh, basically, the graphics, again, I, I've said it in the reveal trailer for Black Ops uh, Cold War and one of my previous Captain's Quarters episodes. It just looks absolutely gorgeous. Uh, the graphics are, are amazing in this game. Uh, it looks like a lot of fun. Uh, it's one of those missions where it starts out stealthy. You're sneaking through the woods and you get to a, a vantage point. You see where your target is. You try to take out the target. Things go awry. And then there's this insane chase on an airstrip. Uh, involving controlling a little RC car with a bomb and all kinds of craziness ensues. Looks absolutely insane and a lot of fun, and I cannot wait to play it. This is the most excited I've been for a Call of Duty game in a very long time. Uh, Black Ops is arguably my favorite Call of Duty campaign, and I am very excited. The original Black Ops. And I'm very excited to see them go back to that story-driven uh, aspect of Black Ops and Cold War. So can't wait. Uh, and also, if you are a P as a PlayStation 4 player, PS4 players get exclusive access to the Cold War Alpha, which starts today, actually, uh, September 18th, the day of this recording. So um, make sure you jump on that and uh, check that out if you're a big Call of Duty fan. Uh, by the time this episode airs, it will already be available to you. So hopefully you've already enjoyed that Alpha. So now we go from 1984 and the Cold War, and we switch over to the cold still, uh, and the mountainous regions, it looks like, of a nice quaint village in the newest trailer for Resident Evil 8 Village. And to, to be honest, guys, I felt like this trailer was very similar to the last trailer that we got, the reveal trailer for Resident Evil 8 at the last PS5 showcase event in the summer. Now, I will say that uh, that's not a bad thing necessarily, because it, it almost felt like it was some of the same things from that trailer, but from different perspectives or a little bit more uh, added nuance to what the details were in that trailer. Uh, but it still left with a lot of mystery. Um, it definitely uh, was a little bit different when they introduced kind of like a, a, an animated, visualized version of the fairy tale that's being read uh, by Ethan's wife, Ethan being the main character in the game, um, and his wife being the character that looks like she shot and killed at the end of the last trailer. Uh, she was also saying this, uh, reciting this fairy tale in that trailer, the first one. So in this one, we see her again from a distance. Looks like she's reading a book uh, and reciting this tale. And uh, they give us, Capcom does, a visual representation of that in animated form, uh, which was definitely different. Definitely looks freaky, though. Uh, the game itself, the graphics and the environments look amazing. Uh, again, snow and the snow effects uh, just look absolutely phenomenal. The environments... Uh, and I just, I absolutely cannot wait to play this game. Um, again, from a first-person perspective, like Resident Evil 7 was, I am a convert. Uh, I definitely uh, have been converted over to Resident Evil from first person. And uh, ultimately, the trailer ends in uh, a very intense uh, scene where it seems to be that Ethan is running from something through a basement or a house and ultimately come face-to-face -face with what looks to be the werewolf or a werewolf of many, potentially, within the game. Uh, and it looked absolutely terrifying. Uh, so I, I can't wait to play this. Uh, Resident Evil, obviously, is one of my favorite franchises. And any excuse to get back into that world and that style of gameplay is 
is good enough for me. So Resident Evil 8 Village uh, coming next year. Can't wait. Next up, we have another timed console exclusive uh, for PlayStation 5 coming out in 2021, uh, developed by Arcane Studios, published by good old Bethesda, uh, you know, masters of Elder Scrolls and Fallout. That game is going to be Deathloop. And Deathloop, I thought, looked really cool when they showed it off at the last PS5 event. And basically, it's the game where you have 24 hours and uh, a specified amount of targets uh, to take out. And you also have somebody who is coming after you, and you are their target. Uh, and you're in this death loop, and you basically have to figure out a way to take out all these targets before dying. Uh, and it showed a decent mission structure and a little bit of gameplay. Um, definitely visually looked pretty interesting. Kind of reminds me, I don't know if you guys have ever played or heard of the game that was a first-person shooter back in the day. Uh, it was called No One Lives Forever. It was uh, very different and stylized in the 1970s spy movies uh, in that kind of sense. For whatever reason, this game reminds me of No One Lives Forever. And I thoroughly enjoyed No One Lives Forever. Um, and just in general, Deathloop looks like it could be a lot of fun. Weapon variety looks cool. Mission variety and just the uniqueness of the fact that you're being hunted the same time you're trying to hunt down these different targets. I think it sounds really cool. Definitely interested in checking it out. Can't wait to see more details on it. Uh, and then after Deathloop, they showed off uh, Devil May Cry 5 Special Edition, which is um, obviously, uh, I guess, the ultimate version of Devil May Cry 5. It will be available day one as a digital download on the PS5. So definitely interesting there. I highly recommend playing that game if you have not played uh, the game yet. So if you get a PS5, you're looking for something along those lines to play with that similar style of gameplay. I can't recommend Devil May Cry 5 enough. Um, I played it on the Xbox One X. Absolutely loved it. Great series. So definitely check that out. And uh, next up... We have a classic series, been around forever, uh, Oddworld. Their new game, uh, Soulstorm, was showcased here. And Lorne Lanning, uh, the creator of the franchise and, and director of these games, uh, thought it was great to see him on there uh, pop up and start talking about the game and uh, talking about the possibilities they were able to use the power of the PS5 for within this game specifically. Uh, you know, Oddworld is an interesting franchise for me. I started playing it on the PlayStation 1 with uh, Abe's Odyssey and Abe's Exodus. But it wasn't really until Munch's Odyssey at the launch of the original Xbox that I really jumped into that world. Uh, and ironically, it was the first 3D Oddworld game that was fully 3D and completely different than Abe's Odyssey and Exodus. But I loved it. And then they had Stranger's Wrath, which is a first-person westernized uh, game that I thoroughly loved and enjoyed as well, but it was nothing like classic Oddworld. So over the years, there's been a few iterations of Oddworld coming out that were back to the classic 2D side-scrolling roots. Uh, Oddworld Soulstorm looks to be a hybrid of 2D and 3D environments that you can interact with and explore. And obviously, the whole point of this is it's kind of like a spiritual reboot to Abe's Exodus. Uh, the whole point of this game is you're Abe and you're trying to collect as many of your own species as possible within these factories to rescue them and avoid all these different kinds of crazy pitfalls and traps and different things they throw at you. Uh, by you know solving puzzles and whatnot, perfect timing on uh, managing your jumps and uh, different conveyor belt th situations and things of that nature. It's a lot of fun, uh, to be honest with you. So I'm, I'm, it's it's always very satirical, uh, where it's making fun of itself in a sense, uh, as well as just uh, you know big companies and and things of that nature take shots at them. So definitely a, a pretty interesting, unique style and and kind of game. So uh, I I recommend if you never played Oddworld before checking it out. 
Uh, next was actually another very surprising, uh, you know, spotlight uh, to me at least. I didn't expect to see this. Uh, the new Five Nights at Freddy's game, Security Breach, was shown in a very, very brief, uh, but still very creepy uh, trailer. So that's coming soon as well. Uh, Fortnite was also shown off in a very brief trailer, uh, and it was basically spotlighting that Fortnite using Unreal Engine 4 uh, is going to be available on the PS5 at launch. So very interesting info for you guys there uh, that are Fortnite fans. Now, the next title... This, we actually got about four minutes worth of actual gameplay, and it looked beautiful. Uh, it, and it's Demon's Souls, the remake of the PS3 game uh, that is going to be a launch exclusive and a console exclusive uh, for the PlayStation 5. Uh, PlayStation Studios is actually uh, behind this game, and uh, it, it looked great. Uh, you know, I've never been a Dark Souls. I've never gotten into that franchise. I never played Demon's Souls, the original on PS3. I did play the original Dark Souls for a little while at the request of my brother-in-law, and I definitely liked what I played, but I just never got into it enough uh, to stick with the franchise over the next three entries. Now, with this game being a remake of the original Demon Souls, I'm definitely very interested in seeing the gameplay. It's definitely a launch title that I am probably going to go ahead and get uh, on the PS5 launch day. And, and give it a shot. Even though I know there's a lot of frustration and heartache that comes with this game and this franchise, I am willing to to suffer through it, to feel that satisfaction, uh, hopefully not too many hours later uh, after that first checkpoint, right? But uh, either way, I'm definitely thinking that it looks really good and willing to give it a shot. And I'm kind of excited for this game uh, coming out on launch day. So Another thing that uh, was a big surprise at this event, it wasn't a game. Uh, it was actually uh, an announcement for uh, a platform, uh, which is PlayStation Plus Collection. Now, what that is, it's going to be a new perk for PlayStation Plus members, and you're going to have access to a list of PS4 games at no additional cost that you can just download and play uh, immediately. And this is going to be available on day one. And uh, essentially, guys, think about this in layman's terms. It's the Game Pass for the PlayStation. Uh, this is going to be PlayStation's version of Xbox's Game Pass. So that, that's the way I look at it. Uh, they have a lot of amazing games that they showed. We're going to be a part of this package uh, on day one. You have uh, obviously God of War, the reboot, um, The Last of Us Remastered, Uncharted 4, Fallout 4, Final Fantasy 15, The Last Guardian, Ratchet, Days Gone, Bloodborne. Guys, there's so many amazing games that are on this package. Uh, that it just... I. That, that's a huge benefit uh, to a PlayStation Plus member if you have not yet played even some of these games. I mean, they're just some of the best games, honestly, some of the best games I've ever played, let alone on the PS4. Uh, definitely, definitely a cool perk to just add at no extra cost uh, to a PlayStation Plus membership. So uh, kudos to Sony on that one. Now, I will say after this, uh, we did finally finally get the information that everybody's been waiting for and clamoring for, which was the release date and prices of these two different models of consoles uh, of the PlayStation 5. So without further ado, obviously you guys probably already know this, but ultimately uh, we now know the release date for the PlayStation 5 is November 12th, 2020. And yes, you heard that right, 2020, November 12th, which is two days after the launch of the Xbox Series X and Xbox Series S. So... For those of you and those of us that were wanting to get both consoles day one, uh, yeah, it's going to be a busy week, a uh, busy couple of days, uh, I should say. So uh, mark the date on your calendar. Officially now we know November 12th, 
And the PS5 has two different models, as stated. Uh, you have the standard PlayStation 5 with a disk drive, and then you have the digital-only PlayStation 5. So the PlayStation 5 Standard Edition, that's going to run you $499.99 in the U.S., so $500 if you're in the U.S., and then the digital-only version is going to be $100 cheaper at $400, $399.99 U.S. dollars. So $500, $400, honestly, guys, it's right in line with what we were expecting it to be. Uh, everybody that I've talked to, my own assumptions, it, it was right there. There was no way they were going to go above $500 since Microsoft had already come out last week and said, yeah, Series X, we're going to launch at 5 uh, There's no way they were going to go above that. And, uh, you know, as far as their digital-only from what I understand, it's very different than Microsoft's position with the Xbox Series X and the Series S, whereas the Series S is a less powerful console than the Series X. The digital version of the PlayStation 5, to my understanding, is the exact same console from a technological standpoint and power standpoint as the standard console. So you save 100 bucks if you just want to go purely digital. Now, obviously, you're not going to have that disk drive or that option to play disk-based games, uh, which to a lot of people, that's probably okay, uh, especially if it saves you the extra 100 bucks. So I thought that was actually pretty cool because I, until recently, did not really have confirmation on whether or not that was the case. Like, okay, well, is it like the Series S and X where there's a difference in power or is it just the same but no disk drive? So I can confirm that it's the same but no disk drive. So pretty awesome. Uh, November 12th is the U.S. Uh, release date, uh, as well as Japan, Canada, Mexico, Australia, and New Zealand and South Korea. All other territories, uh, you guys will be getting the console a week later on November 19th of 2020. Now, this wasn't the way that Sony decided to end the show. Uh, they had one last reveal that they wanted us to see before they closed the books on this showcase event. And it was yet another title that a lot of us expected, hoped, and wanted to see something on. And we did get something. Uh, <laughs> uh, but it's God of War Ragnarok. And all we got was a black screen with the God of War symbol uh, basically being etched out in front of us uh, in ice. Uh, and Kratos uh, basically saying, you know, prepare. you need to prepare yourself, basically. Uh, and that was it. And the release date of 2021. So, obviously, we knew God of War 2 was in the works, and the official title has now been confirmed as God of War Ragnarok. Uh, we also knew that that was coming as well, based on the ending of the original game, if you did play and beat that. And uh, ultimately, uh, yeah, still pretty cool. I mean, you can't help but get excited because of how amazing, in my opinion, that original game was. Uh, I, I cannot wait uh, to play this next one. But uh, hopefully it will still come out in 2021 because, uh, you know, we all know how uh, release dates tend to get pushed back. But I got to tell you guys, um, 2021 is shaping up to be a real good year for PlayStation. If they release Horizon Forbidden West, which even though it was just announced and confirmed that it is coming to PS4 as well, bottom line is Horizon Forbidden West is out there in the world, potentially, supposedly, uh, supposed to be in 2021, as well as now God of War and many other titles. It's going to be a real good year next year to be a gamer if all these games uh, release when they are supposed to. So that was all the announcements that Sony had made. Now let's go check in with my final thoughts and my final grade for the PS5 showcase event. Ultimately, in closing, guys, my final thoughts are this. I thought that Sony, yet again, on a PS5-centric showcase event, knocked it out the park. 
Uh, you remember my state of play coverage of their uh, August event. I did not think that it was good at all. Uh, I thought they really dropped the ball on that. Uh, but their PS5 reveal event a few months ago, and this event was no different. I thought they were both amazing. Uh, I thoroughly, thoroughly got goosebumps on a couple of different games that were shown during this presentation. And whether they're multi-platform games or timed exclusives or not, it doesn't matter to me. To me, it's how they impact me during the timing of the show. During the time frame of that show, how do these announcements and trailers impact me? Regardless of where their exclusivity lies, that's what I'm thinking about. So if you go through the list of everything that I have mentioned uh, this episode, I mean, there was just so many good things. I mean, to kick it off with Final Fantasy 16, close it out with a teaser of God of War Ragnarok, you got your confirmation of release date and prices, and all these other games in between. Uh, I thought it was an absolutely excellent show. So with that being the case, I'm going to give a final grade to the PS5 showcase event in September of an A minus. That'll do it for this special episode, breaking down the most recent PlayStation 5 showcase. I hope you've enjoyed your time aboard the SS Gamer. You can join its crew by reaching out to me via email at lostatseagaming365 at gmail.com or on social media on Instagram at lostatseagaming, as well as on Twitter at lostatseagamin, the number one. Thank you for listening, and until the sea says otherwise, we'll keep sailing.